So um, I am really excited about this drink today. Um, this is the Pink Negroni. And uh, before we get started on the Pink Negroni... Um, N is for Negroni. N is for Negroni. I know, we did MM and now we're on to N. <laughs> oh, goodness. So before we get into um, the history of the Negroni, I wanted to kind of tie this story into a theme. Um, and sometimes our conversations can go a little bit off the rails, and that's not a bad thing, but <laughs> I want to tie it back to the drink. So I want to tell you a story um, before we take a sip of this, and uh, I'll tell the story and we'll take a sip. We'll go into recipes because uh, it's been a little bit of time. It's already uh, getting less cold, but we do have a fan on, so hopefully it stays cold. But um, So the, the Negroni is known for being super sweet, and um, or no, the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to edit this. So, yes. <laughs> so the Negroni is known for being super bitter. Ugh. The first time I had it, <laughs> the first time I had it, like, I just, I didn't want it. And then it grows on you. You're like, okay, it's just, it's a very specific, specific flavor. Mm-hmm. Campari is a very specific flavor. So I wanted to do a Negroni. And I know that you're not the biggest fan of bitter things, which who the fuck is. <laughs> I, yeah, like I can't do bitter. It's, you know, I remember when I, this brings me back to like science classes I took where mm-hmm. we, we studied, you know, your, um, what are the papillae? The little, the little things on your tongue, right? Your taste buds. And yeah. How, like, the little heads. So the taste bud chart that you, we learn about in school is bullshit. That's not really how taste buds work, mm. but like some people are just more prone to sweet over sour and so on and so forth. Right. So just depending on your genes, depending on your tongue, even like the topography of your tongue makes a difference. Some Hmm. people have deeper grooves between their little, I want to call them papillae. Just hit me up in the comments (laughs) if I'm wrong. I don't really remember everything off the top of my head. You're pronouncing it like it's spelt. So I think you're good. Yeah. Because you have similar things like in your lung tissue and like it's a, it's an organ or a thing that you can find on a lot of, a lot of organs. Mm -hmm. So regardless, like. The topography of your tongue might help determine if you take to sweetness or if you mm. taste bitter more strongly or if you taste sour more strongly. I believe right? it. Right? So, like, I got fucked, I guess, because <laughs> I cannot do bitter. Like, I will taste it and I'll be like, I'm all, and I taste it strongly to where mm-hmm. it hurts. My 23 in me, actually, um, the genetics test that I took, it told me if I was like, prone to bitter or prone See, to sweet. I did ancestry, so it doesn't have that shit. I want ans you need both. You really need both. And <laughs> and it wants me to upgrade. It wants me to upgrade to like the health one so that mm. I can see if like I have any kind of exposure to um other diseases or other conditions. Good lord. So you're just not gonna win. Like Yeah, like I don't I'm all set. Like let me just, you know I know. One set of day. DNA <laughs> into a computer. I found out I was Norwegian and freaking yay me. <laughs> oh goodness so um to kind of tie this um i i want to talk a little bit about the most bitter that i've ever been in my life and uh this is uh oh shout out to all you bitter ladies and you know i forget about this story until every valentine's day and then every valentine's day i am reminded so um it was eighth grade (laughs) it was eighth grade And, um, she's painting us a picture. So the, I guarantee you, she looked almost the same. (laughs) Oh yeah. Just more cheeks, just a little, little more round. Um, so (laughs) 
eighth grade, um, I had gone to school. Um, it was, we weren't separated by elementary school and middle school. It was just all together. So I'd been in this grade. Um, I had been in this school with the same people since first grade. Gross. And some people were there even longer. They'd gone to preschool. They'd gone to kindergarten. So I remember being in first grade and being like, I'm not in the clique. But anyway, so. That's awful, actually. Like, do they not consider that psychological bullshit <laughs> when they decided to do this shit? We're- I have been. you should not have literally middle schoolers do not belong in the same school developmentally as mm-hmm. younger children because it was a small fucked. school, but it was a good school. Yeah. I will say it, I mean, there was some, <laughs> uh, yeah, there's some like, you know, developmental issues, like being in the same school, like a preschooler, like a third grader, um, to, um, I was 14 when I left. Yeah. It was definitely weird, but, um, so, yeah, I had grown up with these people, essentially, and it was in, um, val- it was Valentine's Day 2008, and what we could do is we could, <laughs> I had a full-on fucking job. <laughs> that's how old I am. You said 2008. I was like, oh my God, that's when I worked at a youth program and I was a mentor for middle schoolers. I could have been your mentor. Imagine that shit. <laughs> How would she have turned out, guys? How oh would that gosh. have worked out for you? <laughs> I actually worked with one of my kids that I – kids. She's not a kid. But I, like – she came to the youth program where I was, oh like, a gosh. youth mentor. I remember you telling me that story. You were like, wow, how old am I? Yeah. And I, you're just going to feel that way until you I die. was 19 when I started there, though. So yeah. I was pretty young, but still. Yeah. So 2008, eighth grade, um, we had Valentine's Day – and we could do, um, we could send cards to people, send little hearts. And, um, there was this group of girls that really pissed me off. Um, there were four of them and they had like this little click and we had been really great friends in seventh grade. And then in eighth grade, like, I think a lot of it, honestly, the town that I grew up in, there was a lot of like, competition between people of different socioeconomic backgrounds Mm. and I talk a little bit about my childhood um I didn't leave the house a lot growing up so they had a lot of opportunities to do things that I didn't do yeah so they kind of formed this clique and um so I was so mad at them and in eighth grade for valentine's day I knew each of the boys that they liked so what I did was I sent anonymous valentines (laughs) (laughs) With their initials, with the boys' initials to each of them. <laughs> You're such an asshole. It was a dollar each. It was the best four dollars I've ever spent in my life. <laughs> but they got these cards, and like we had different classes um, together, and I was there when they got the cards, and they were like, they read the cards, and like the same boys were in the class as them. And they were all like looking at each other and they were just like, what? <laughs> oh my God, that's amazing. And I know at least one of them like went up to one of the boys and was <gasps> like, thank you for the car. And the boy was like, I didn't give you that shit. <laughs> <laughs> I think I even like wrote in the card. I think I was like so schemy that I wrote in the card like, um, this will be our little secret or something. Oh my God. <laughs> so I didn't want them to like talk to each other. Oh my god, that's amazing! <laughs> so what don't- a bitter Betty. <laughs> yeah, I haven't done anything like that since then. But it was probably my proudest that's, moment. That's truly amazing. <laughs> I feel like 
Oh shit. I'm trying to remember a time when I've been scheming like that. It's happened often. Yeah, it's happened quite often. <laughs> so often that I can't even pick one instance. Hmm. I don't know. While you think about that. Also, like, I think, like, I don't plot. I just, like, react, which is not good, maybe. <laughs> or I was too in my head. I had too much time on my hands. Yeah. Although I think, you know, I definitely plotted and schemed. But, God. You, you know opened what? your mouth. That's probably what it was. So I- that's the other <laughs> thing, too, is, like, I... <laughs> Not a lot's changed. Yeah. Like, I feel like that's very true. If people did something I didn't like, I'd just be like, you fucking suck. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Like, girls were super unkind. Girls are so evil to each other in school. Girls. It's so bad. Yeah. Boys made fun of me, but, like, it was, like, you know, it was whatever. They picked on me and they were like, you have a mustache or something. And I'd be like, I do? I didn't even know that. Um, <laughs> And now I do, which is cute. No, I don't think i have a mustache girls, i think i figured out but judge way, each other really bad because girls are so competitive and we're evil taught to, each to be other. like that we are and they play mind games like girls will do such awful things to each other that will last psychologically forever boys do that too though yeah but some, i guess but so. they laugh it off right or like if boys are mean to me i'd be like you're just a dick and he'd be like i know i'm sorry you know whereas like a girl would be like you're gonna hate yourself forever <laughs> and i'm like what <laughs> Like, I don't know. I don't, I do I look that bad? Or like, oh, it was just so bad. Yeah. And I just feel like if girls were like that to me, I would let it go for a little while. And then I would just be like, hey, suck a dick, bitch. Like, I would just eventually, I would just be like, I don't care about you. Yeah. It was, it was difficult. Cause I will say that like, I really wanted to be their friends, yeah. but it was just a matter of like, I didn't have a parent who would drive me to events and stuff like that. So it was kind of like, was it my own fault? No. Children are not responsible. Your parents certainly aided in that because they helped helped it along. They helped that alienation along. Exactly. And that's the thing. Yeah, alienation is one of the things that happens. If there's that kid that isn't involved... And they're not socializing. They do things they're like untrusted. They do do things like what I did. Yeah. Well, you know what? We'll get back. I'll, you know, I hit up the comments myself if I find out I got a bitter Betty story. But okay. I really, you really let us in, <laughs> and I'm really happy that you did because that is a great story. Oh, I'm so glad you like inspirational. It. Actually. <laughs> so with that in mind, I hope this Negroni. Let's get bitter. Yeah, let's get bitter. I hope this Negroni isn't too bitter. I. Um, made a variation for Crystal Ann. I just <laughs> added um, I'm a wuss. a n- little garnish, but um, ready? I'm ready. So let's preface this with the fact that like I have never had a Negroni I liked, <laughs> and this is Katarina's mission. It was my mission. I looked up a lot of recipes. I'm excited. Mm. Close. Close. I really think it's my tongue. Yeah? Oh. Yeah. I just have, like, because I can feel exactly where it hits. Yeah. <laughs> it's very like herby. to just make up bullshit words here. It's so herby. Herbalicious. <laughs> it's fictitious. I blow kisses. I don't actually It's know delicious. There we go. <laughs> I don't know about delicious for me personally. I f- here's my gu- here guys. I feel really bad because Katarina worked hard to try to find me this like g- delicious Negroni. I and can't hide it. I can't hide the bitterness. <laughs> she can't. She just can't do it. And you know what? You shouldn't because that is part of the drink, mm-hmm. and that's what makes the drink 
itself and unique. And we don't want you hiding parts of the drink. <laughs> don't let society tear this drink down just because one douche doesn't like it. But it um, is true, though. The bitterness is just in the middle of your mouth. It sits there. In the middle she of your tongue. Linger. <laughs> um, here's the thing, guys. We would be doing everybody a disservice if we only did drinks that each of us liked. Because that's not the purpose. That's not the purpose of the podcast. It's to try different things. It's to talk about the history. It's to just talk shit and do things and be awesome. Us talking shit? I don't know what you're talking about. Well, we weren't talking shit. I'm just talking truth. Yeah. Truth I mean, hurts. Truth, truth. Well, I talk <laughs> shit and it's truthful, so that's that. If uh, Lizzo has taught me anything, it's that truth hurts. Truth does hurt. But anyway, so... Um, She's taught me a lot more than that. Please, guys, I have a very particular <laughs> palette. I don't ever want anybody to, like, listen to this podcast and be like, Chris Land doesn't like it. Not like, okay, who am I anyway? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not to say that you're doing that, but please don't. Um, this is literally just people's taste profiles are so vast and so unique that it would just be so silly to... Um, to not try something just because one person says, oh, it's too bitter. I am excited, though. I showed Crystal Ann the um, the bitters that I bought, the burlesque bitters. They, It's a beautiful bottle. <laughs> and what attracted me to this drink, the pink Negroni, were the ingredients. So mm-hmm. let's talk a little bit about the ingredients. They were... Um, I'm such a package whore, too. Did you notice that? A package whore? Like packaging? <laughs> or like, do you know what I'm saying? Why do you think I spent... I spent too much money on that. Like, if it looks good, I'm like done and then yep. i'll taste it and be like oh shit but it's gonna sit on the shelf and look luxurious and i didn't try the bitters i wanted to try them by myself um Imagine i wanted to try them that by- would have tasted like yeah i wanted to try them by themselves but i was like you know what i'm gonna wait i'm gonna see how it all blends together i actually i like this drink this reminds me a lot of the classic negroni so i see why you're okay you and your ice balls she just loves touching them guys. i love i love touching the <laughs> The ice balls. The icy balls. I love touching the ice balls. Arctic spheres. Hey, Fern, this one's for you. This one's for you because we know <laughs> Fern told us. Fern told us. He's like, I think your conversation about the ice balls are hilarious. Well, it's, your he conversation. Also, he, he does a lot of our, you know, Katarina and Fern do all the editing, you know, because I don't do shit. And you, um, do, you, you show up and you critique <laughs> my drinks. Hey, got him. Here she is. You see her all day. Um, so they do the, the editing and for, let me know that apparently I talk about these goddamn ice balls constantly. <laughs> um, sometimes I have a love hate relationship. Sometimes I think they're great. And sometimes I'm like, these are not functional, but every time it's a new experience, every time it's like, and right now I'm, I'm fingering the, uh, ice ball. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. We just went to all the senses NC-17. are involved with this beverage. <laughs> Fingers, mouth. It's a very aromatic drink. And so let's talk about what's in the drink. So I obtained this recipe from saver.com and I added a little bit extra to help Crystal Ann. And by the look on her face, it did not help. Okay. It's okay. You don't have to drink it. I know. You but- don't have to drink it. <laughs> Feel like a, uh, like, um, a teacher. Like if you don't like it, it's okay. Get, get yeah, it will. Get it will. Will drink it. I might. I might have to. <laughs> so the ingredients: um, two ounces of gin, one ounce of Campari, one ounce of fresh lemon juice, one ounce of Lilit Blanc, three dashes of Bitterman's Burlesque bitters. So I got this from Amazon. Mm-hmm. Uh, one sprig of tarragon for garnish, and I added a little extra sugar. Um, I added a little extra citrus for crystalline. I added a um, an orange slice, which a classic Negroni usually has a, an orange slice mm-hmm. uh, for garnish. But 
I added a little extra to see if it worked and hey. I mean, not a bad thing. Yeah, bitter is just one of those things that it it, it is what it is. It's one of those taste profiles that Mm -hmm. is so strong. It is. Bitter especially. Like you can almost downplay sweet. You can almost even downplay citrus. Like when you're cooking and baking, Mm -hmm. you have those tips and tricks. Bitter is one of those things that's like the hardest taste profile, I think, to downplay. Now, do you have an aversion of it because of like, the Garcia effect where you tried it once and you have a memory attached to it. I have no memory. You have no memory. No, I just can't do it. <laughs> so the Garcia effect is super interesting because it takes a smell or a taste and it puts it into your long-term memory where you instantly think of that memory yeah. when you smell or taste something. That for me. Yeah, I'm familiar with that too. Yeah, yeah that doesn't happen with bitter. Because otherwise I wouldn't keep trying it. Mm-hmm. But I keep convincing myself like a freaking idiot that I'm going to be <laughs> fine with it. And then I try it. I'm like, I don't like this. Uh, that's like me with, um, I have the Garcia effect when it comes to um, citron, berry citron. I smell it and I I don't even smell berries. I smell vomit. Mine is raspberry vodka. Ooh. Because like when I went through my heyday, you know, when your girl was really feeling good about herself, apparently. <laughs> pardon a little too hearty. Um. I would just take like fucking handles of like absolute raspberry fucking vodka to the face. Just straight. Oh, even now I'm starting to gag. <laughs> Don't I talk about it. I can't think about it. It, it. it. That's the, yeah. And then I'm like, oh, that and mushrooms. Like I am a very big texture eater. God, I'm obnoxious. I suck. Don't tell don't, <laughs> don't tell Fernando's sister have, like, that. She studies mushrooms. I know. She's a mycologist. <laughs> she studies fungi. I have a really fun joke for her. Are you ready for it? It's it, it includes fungus. Okay. Um Frankie fungi and Alice algae sat on a rock and took a lichen to each other. Oh. Should I say that to her when I see her? I'm going to see if she listens to the episode by asking how she liked the joke. <gasps> yeah. <laughs> Do you think she'll get it? I'm going to put her on the spot. I'll see how she it likes either. it. We'll see if she knows. I mean, people who don't know it, <laughs> a lot of people are probably like, what the fuck is that shit? It's not really a joke. It's like a cute little. I think it's cute. I think it's cute. Yeah. That's what happened when you used to be here. a biologist at a nature center for like way too many years. You just have these weird ass shits that you just think of. Drained. But yeah, so fungus is that for me? Mushrooms. Yeah, because the like, texture. The texture. There's it so many me different... back to this place where mom was like, "You have to eat these," and I was like, Whoa. "Oh no!" Yeah, you know, there's so many different kinds of um, fungi that I'm sure that like you know she got attracted to this um, career because of a class that she took where they go out into the forest and they would collect specimens. They'd collect mushrooms and stuff like that so maybe oh. there is like uh what's that called foraging yeah foraging i love to forage don't get yeah. me like that's the jam mm-hmm. like there's this you know there's chicken of the woods and there's like yeah. there's hen of the woods which is the same thing mm-hmm. um that's the thing is i know a lot about mushrooms and i know a lot about foraging just because of what i used to do for a living yeah and because where i worked had a mushroom festival Ooh. so i'm surprised i wonder if she she should go to that we're, this is so off topic. <laughs> this is a this is actually just an episode for her if she needs she needs to listen. Listen listen to this uh this Francie shout out. So let's go back into the drink. Um so you combine gin, campari, lemon juice, um, lilit blanc, and bitters into a cocktail shaker filled with ice. Shake vigorously and strain into a martini gla- glass, garnish with a sprig of tarragon. And uh and yeah. And 
there we go. There's the uh, there's the recipe. And I'm going to talk a little bit about Le Lip Blanc because I didn't know what it was. It's a French aperitif, not a vermouth. Mm. And it has been compared to a white wine with honey flavor that is complemented with its orange and golden raisins. Combined with citrus and the burlesque bitters, this drink is very herbaceous. Mm. I said herbie. The word is herbaceous. And c- described as being brighter than a typical Negroni, which I can say, I think it's more citrusy than a typical Negroni. I think it's a little sweeter than a typical Negroni. Yes, there's that bitter component. But I think that's from the Campari, in all honesty. So Yeah, that's all I'm tasting. That's what it is. Like, I can taste all the other elements, and those are great. But mm-hmm. for whatever reason, I can pull out just the Campari. <laughs> yeah. And, like... That's such a shame because this does – I've had Negronis in the past. And this is definitely brighter. Mm-hmm. It's a very nice, like, summer – you know. I mean, I guess Negronis are really any season, but – Yeah. You know, we talk now that – um you know, I've edited so many of these episodes listening back. I listen back at least twice to each episode. Sorry. No, it's not a bad thing. It's It gives me a lot of insight on the way I talk and about the way that we communicate. It's very insightful, actually. <laughs> And one thing I've noticed is that we never have any <laughs> spring drinks. Everything's always a summer drink. So, oh, that's so true. But this yeah. could, this would be because this is when these herbs are coming out, man. This is this like is a good spring beverage. This is. And if we think about like the theme of spring, and spring is very like, it has its great parts and it has its not so great parts. We talk <laughs> a lot about our pride and being um, from New England, living in New England. And uh, one thing about New England is uh, you never know what the weather's going to be like. Yeah. Like good old Mark Twain said, um, and I'm paraphrasing, of course, but he said, if you don't like the weather in New England, wait five minutes. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. Speaking about spring, one reason why um, the airy sign is seen as seen as so like volatile is because of the season that it represents. Mm -hmm. You know, we are just, we are all over the place. We go from hot to cold. We are hot messes. And so is spring (laughs) in conclusion. So signs that would sip. Um, This is our little cappy babies. This is for our little cappy babies out there. Uh, Capricorns. And uh, I don't know if you saw this little symbol, but we got sea goat for Capricorn. Oh, interesting. I don't think I've ever really looked at like the, <laughs> like, I feel like some of the signs have some weird ass imagery. I don't know where this comes from, honestly, but uh, I goat? always forget that it's a sea goat. Cause I, I always too. think, I always think like goat. And then I'm like, well, we're Ram. And then I'm like, oh wait, sea goat. That's right. Also like, what the fuck is a sea goat though? Can I know? Can I know no. what animal that was? Mm-mm. You don't get to Is know. that just supposed to be mermaid? <laughs> like, I don't get it. Capricorn, sorry. Please explain. So our Cappy babies out there, they're born between December 21st and January 20th. Their ruling planet is Saturn. Some famous Capricorns include Dolly Parton. Good old Dolly. Thank you so much for the vaccine, Dolly. We love Dolly <laughs> Parton. We love her so much. Um, Martin Luther King Jr., Michelle Obama, and Edgar Allan Poe. So we've got quite a mix there. Why Capricorn? Edgar Allan Poe and Dolly Parton. <laughs> Talk about two fucking spectrums. In the freaking same sentence. <laughs> so why Capricorns? So Capricorns are earth signs that demand respect. It's a seagoat. So I don't know where that came from. Yeah, no. I'm like understand. Google imaging these these right now. It's a half goat, a half mermaid, and it's an earth sign. What's going on? Somebody had a good time, maybe had a pink Negroni and made this <laughs> animal. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so um, 
They demand respect and as herbaceous and as a herbaceous drink that is not fit for everyone's palate, so are um, Capricorns. So Capricorns and Negronis are very similar because they're just not for everybody, you know? It takes a special kind of person to be a Capricorn to get along with Capricorn. I have Capricorn friends out there. They, in my experience, have needed a few reminders just about how much I love them and just about boundaries. <laughs> but they're my best friends and... That's also a thing about uh, being an Aries is I butt heads a lot with people. <laughs> I don't think I have any Capricorn friends. Hmm. Make some. Yeah. Well, I'm looking at like the dis- the birthday mm-hmm. and I'm like, who the fuck? Yo. I was going to be like, Jesus was a Capricorn, but like, no, he wasn't because <laughs> he wasn't born at that Was summer. he your friend? Was that who you're going to say? Jesus is my friend. <laughs> I, hey, listen, bitch. I was praying last night. Um, Here's the thing, though. I don't pray to Jesus. I pray to God. But that's not the point. Point being, he wasn't even born in December. <laughs> so he wouldn't be a Capricorn. Anyway. No, but he's point probably, being, I guess I gotta, make some, I gotta make some Cappy friends. I mean, I know. I could probably look up like <laughs> what astrological sign is Jesus? Two of my Imagine. <laughs> two of my best friends are Capricorns. So Oh. Yeah. Huh. And it's just and it's interesting because um they're known to butt heads with Aries and we do all the time. Like we just have such different values. They're very traditional. Both of my Capricorn friends are super traditional. So interesting. But they battle with it. They battle with the traditions. Like they don't want to be restrained by tradition, but they find themselves just kind of like they have expectations. Um and when they don't fulfill them, it's yeah. heartbreaking for them. So they're known for their highly devoted moral compasses that want attention, not for the sake of having attention, but because of their style or ingenuity. So they don't want to be the center of attention because um, they happen to be in the room. They want to be the center of attention because of something that they said. Maybe they said a really super clever comment and that's a Capricorn for you. Whereas Aries, we just, we make the room center around us. So, so let us talk a little bit about the history of the Negroni but before that I'm going to take a sip of my Negroni because I really like it so I'm going to go a little bit about the history not a little bit I have quite a story for you tonight Crystal Ann so sweet the first uh we were talking in the beginning about our styles of research and what usually happens is I'll go down a few rabbit holes because my history may be a little short so I'll find ways to make it a little long. Yeah. This story, though, doesn't need oh, rabbit holes to go into. Here we go. <laughs> so the history of the Negroni. So it can be traced to the early 20th century, documented in the book. <laughs> <laughs> of course it can. <laughs> uh, Sul Trac del Conte, La Vera Storia del Cocktail Negroni, by Lucia Picci. Picci? P-I-C-C-H-I. You're right. Peachy? Peachy. Peachy. So Lucia Peachy was the head bartender at Cafe Rivere in Florence, Italy. The story goes that in 1920, Count Camilla Negroni or General Pacal Oliver de Negroni, Comte de Negroni, created the drink. So I'm going to go a little bit about why we have two names for this one person. Hmm. So. Bef- oh, did he, did he, did he defect? <laughs> Did he defect? Ooh, maybe that's like, we, we don't know, actually. 
<gasps> we don't know. So conjecture, conjecture. Don't sue us, Negroni <laughs> family. But yeah. So before that faithful day when Negroni ordered this beverage, let's go back in time and figure out who this guy is. I first saw discrepancies in the story when I looked at the Amazon review for Soul Traca de Conte La Vera Storia del Cocktail Negroni. Where so that book. So that book, where one reviewer stated that no Camilo Negroni had ever existed and is not in the Negroni family tree. So this reviewer, of all places, he decided to take it to this book, and he just wrote this nasty review about how this story isn't true. So I looked up his name, and I found some history um, of the person who is attributed to finding—I looked I looked up— the person who was attributed to discovering or making the Negroni. According to Wikipedia, General uh, Pascal was born on the French island of Corsica in the... I used to live near Corsica, France. Really? I talked about it before, yeah. Yeah, I don't I know if you on... talked about it on this podcast. I know it was the island, but I didn't know it was near Oh, yeah, yeah. Another so island. I lived... Shit, I dropped my ring. I lived on an island, uh, La Maddalena, in Italy, which is a small island between Sardinia and Corsica, France. Ah, So okay. Corsica, France is also where Nap- <laughs> Napoleon got sent to. Oh! <laughs> they were like, you extra, get the fuck out of here. Well, this guy was born there. Um, That's a shame. Just this, kidding. <laughs> this general. A beautiful island, actually. <laughs> so he was born on April 4th, 1929. So, Shout out. So he's an Aries. He's an Aries. He joined the French Revolution at age 18, and he was highly respected and he was a highly respected and regarded general, receiving the award of the Office of the Legion of Honor in 1970. Not long after receiving this honor about what a great general he was, he uh, he was a prisoner of war in Prussia for six months before eventually being you liberated. Know, damn it, Prussia! In 19, <laughs> he was like literally he was liberated in. 1871 and he had gotten the reward he had gotten the award in 1870 so this poor guy oh my god <laughs> he's at the top of his career and then he's a prisoner of war but thank liberated would mean he was set free he was set free yeah oh in 71 in 71 yeah so he was awarded this award then kept for a year um it doesn't he was he was kept for six months oh yeah that still sucks so though. he went he got this award and was like back to work do 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 good for me and then oh no <laughs> so they're like captured you bitch it's like what the hell yeah <laughs> basically so the story surrounding Ca- count negroni so in this book he's referred to as count negroni huh. and this guy sounds really interesting <laughs> i like this so we went a little bit over the history of the real um general negroni but this count negroni there's stories surrounding him but they're more like folklore. Mm-hmm. So he had gone to Italy before he went to the spa and ordered the Negroni that fateful day. He had gone to Italy after visiting the U.S. where he would wear cowboy regalia. He was known for wearing <laughs> cowboy regalia. And yeah, when fine. he was asked about his cow, he was approached by a newsman, Bob Davies, who asked him about his cowboy regalia and if he spoke English. And he responded, you're tootin' I do, hombre. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> and this man is French? This man is French. So he's just he's everywhere. He's in Italy wearing western clothes. This French man is. Oh man. This French man is Italy. This French man is in Italy wearing cowboy regalia. Okay. So I love he's him. having himself a moment. Uh so the story goes that in 1919 when he went into 
uh, Cafe Rivere in Florence, Italy, and and he ordered a drink, which was an Americano. So he asked that instead of club soda, like an Americano has, yeah. he wanted gin. He just wanted more alcohol. And we're not talking about coffee, is just in case anybody's out there. Yeah, yeah. In case you're confused what kind of podcast this is, an Americano <laughs> it can also be a alcoholic beverage. Which has sweet vermouth, Campari, and club soda. So not long after, the Negroni family founded the Negroni Distillery and created a ready-to-drink version of the cocktail. So, So his family... That's such a leap. Isn't it? He like was in this cafe or whatever. That's probably a cafe. And he was like, I want this instead. And then somehow it it. must have. But then he, and then he decided I'm going to bottle this shit. Everybody's going to like it. Exactly. That's like uh, Aperol spritz basically. Now you can just buy that shit bottled. Mm hmm. Yeah. Weird. That's what People love to do that with like Italian shit. That's what happens when you have money. You're like, huh, I like this. I'm going to make it. I'm going to sell it. I'm going to produce it. We're good to go. Basically what he did. He could have made any, he could have made anything, and he made the Negroni. So let's talk about how the Negroni has made history since its creation. So in 1947, Orson Welles, an American actor, director, screenwriter, and producer, who is known for producing Citizen Kane, and is considered one of the most influential filmmakers of all time, is known for making one of the first documented remarks about the cocktail: "The bitters are excellent for your liver. The gin is bad for you." They balance each other. <laughs> well, fuck my liver then. <laughs> I don't... I've never seen Citizen Kane. I want to see the medical proof behind that. <laughs> I've never seen uh, Citizen Kane, but I feel like me and this actor, um, director, screenwriter, and producer, all in one, I feel like we'd get along. We'd drink together. I've never seen it either. Yeah? Mm-hmm. I was kind of waiting for your response. I was waiting for a story about... I don't think I've seen it. How you know Orson Excuse Wells. my yawn. Holy crap. Sorry. <laughs> And moving forward in 1967, the first variation was created at Barbosa in Milan called the Negroni S-B-A-G-L-I-A-T-O. So it's S-B. Let me see. <laughs> Let me highlight it it's for in it. you. Some Italian I can still read. Some I can't. I've lost a lot Milan, of it. Milan, Italy. Yeah. She's got a pretty computer. Look how long. Uh, Spagliato. Okay. Spagliato. Spagliato. I don't know if that's right, but that's how Say I would Say it loud it. and then proud and we'll just go with it. <laughs> Spagliato. <laughs> Spagliato. Just okay. real aggressive. So, um, called the Negroni Spagliato and it's, um, <laughs> or the mistaken Negroni and it's made with Prosecco instead of gin. So, it's a little fancy <gasps> fancy. Prosecco, you know? a little bubbly. <laughs> Add okay. your pinky, you know. Mm-hmm. See you. Prosecco. <laughs> So in 2002, the white Negroni was created, which uses Lillet Blanc, which we used um, mm-hmm. for sweet vermouth and uh, Campari. So we use Lillet Blanc and Campari, and it sounds like in the white Negroni, they just use this aperitif. Yeah, that makes sense. That's why it's, you know, the pink, because the the addition yeah. makes it pink. But I feel bad that I, I just don't feel bad. You like what you like. I I knew going into this that (laughs) I was taking a calculated risk. One thing I will say about this drink, um, this is something that each of the ingredients will last a very long time. Um, The bitters, the burlesque bitters, I only use like three very small drops. It will probably, like I said earlier, last me my entire life. Um, But each of the components is pretty expensive. Um, There are four 
four pieces um, that are pretty pricey. Um, I am hoping to have this drink many times over. It's probably going to be <laughs> more expensive if you order it in a restaurant, but that is one of the joys too of uh, having drinks at home, being your own at-home mixologist is uh, you can invest this money into ingredients and if it works out, then you have a drink that uh, you can enjoy again and again. So just as a heads up, if you're not a fan of bitters, don't uh, don't waste your money. <laughs> yeah, or not even just because I've had bitters in drinks. Mm-hmm. It's just the specific Campari. Campari, Campari itself. Yeah, is a very to me an aggressive bitters. Yeah, it's an aggressive bitter because I've had several drinks that have, have included a, a, a bitters of mm-hmm. some sort. It's just the Campari itself is like. It's a very distinct flavor. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the unfortunate part. And then, you know, Will's tried to make me different Campari drinks and it just doesn't work out. It's not even just the Negroni. It's the Campari. Yeah. Interesting. But then if it didn't have all these things, it wouldn't be a Negroni. So it is what it is. I'm trying to think of like a comparison to make. Like, um, there's just certain drinks that like you need that essential, like a mojito, a mojito and mint. You can't, if you don't like mint, you're not going to like a mojito. Like don't have a mojito. Right, right, right. Yeah. I already ate dinner, but talking to you and Will. Yeah, I'm like hungry and this damn kid, he's not, he's too busy solving life's big freaking problems out there. I blame Fernando. He's not being considerate of my stomach. So thank you guys. Thank you guys for listening. Um, Whether it's your good morning, your good evening, um, have a good one. Drink safely. Yep. Um, This has been Aries and alcohol.